Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. My oldest is 14, my middle is in middle school, and we got home from the beach this summer and I plopped down in the playroom and I was like, I feel like we might need to like turn the playroom into something else, right? Like you guys are getting kind of old, like, you know, and all three of them were like, no! Really? So I was like, all right, cool. Wow. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Katie's Crib. I have been trying to get this guest for a very long time because she's one of my most favorite Instagram follows. She is a wealth of knowledge. Her name is Lizzie Asa, and she has an incredible Instagram account called The Workspace for Children, and it has been instrumental in helping me with Albie because she talks all about independent play and how independent play relates to avoiding parent burnout. We talk about closed-ended toys versus open-ended toys. If you don't know what that is, that's okay. Listen up. You'll figure it out. How to set up a playroom and how to get your freaking life back. Because guess what? With independent play, your kid is going to play by themselves. Doesn't everybody want that? So let me tell you a little bit about Lizzie. She's a parenting strategist and a play advocate. She is the founder of The Workspace for Children. Go follow that Instagram account right now. She's an inspiration source of living a play-based life with kids. Lizzie helps parents trade in exhausting days filled with packed schedules and entertaining kids for days filled with independent play. Lizzie also offers play tips and resources to parents and teachers and caregivers through her blog and social channels. And she's a mom to three kids who are 8, 11, and 14. I am so psyched to have you here. Welcome to Katie's Crib, Lizzie. Okay, we're all synced up. And Lizzie, so you know my spiel. You're not going to hear them, honey. I just want to hear them for a little bit. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Katie's Crib with Lizzie. I mean, as you can hear from my microphone, uh, it's really early in L.A. And my son is not yet off to preschool. So mommy has to work. Goodbye. Rest assured, this is happening all over the world right now in everyone's houses. I mean, it's crazy. So first and foremost, I want you to tell us about your children, their ages, and then also tell us a little bit about your background and why you're so knowledgeable about independent play and toddlers and siblings. Tell me it all. 
All right. Totally. So before I had kids, I taught nursery school in New York City. I went to the Bank Street School of Education, which is just the most progressive, beautiful place to learn about becoming a teacher and an educator. And while I was there, I did my internship at the best little school in downtown Manhattan. And it was really there where I formed this love and appreciation for letting kids play and just be who they are instead of structuring every last move, telling them what to think, where to do it, and you know, all the things. And so then I had my own kids. I have three kids. So my oldest, Nate, is 14 and he just started high school this week. Ah! Yeah. That's insane. And Ruby is 11 and Sloan is eight. And Ruby just went to sleepaway camp this summer on like a real camping trip, like in the woods for two weeks. She did. Not only are you so well studied and practiced in the toddler world, which is what I, the world I'm currently in, but because your children are older, I'm able to see all the work that I'm doing sort of pay off through you because it, it really looks like, and we all know Instagram isn't 100% true. Yes. It's not, but it looks like your children are very independent. They are. And very self-assured in their decisions and their choices. And they're respectful of their own wants and needs, but also your own wants and needs. And it's really cool that you're so far ahead of me. I have a four-year, almost four-year-old and a 10-month-old. And my God, like parenting in the way that you are speaking about and practiced when you were a teacher is so hard. Like yesterday I was at his nursery school and and we've been dealing a lot with hitting and things like that. And I was like, oh, I get it. Like in the fifties, whatever, when someone would just be like, oh no, I'm just locking you in your room or whatever it was. I'm like, that's the easier option. This is hard. Like, like, like working through it. And what are you really trying to tell me? Are you frustrated? I think you, maybe are you hung? You know, you didn't have a nap, whatever it is, but it's like, that's exhausting. (laughs) It's so exhausting, but like you said, it's front loading and it will pay you back so much as they grow. You can't even imagine. And that doesn't mean they stop doing the middle school version of hitting or whatever it is, but it does mean that those conversations are so much faster, easier, and you can get right to the point because they're already speaking that language. Oh, that's such a relief. Tell us about Workspace for Children. What is it and how did you start it? So now the Workspace for Children is an online platform and Instagram where I teach parents and educators how to really embrace play to actually end parental burnout. I want people to learn that they don't have to structure every second of their kid's day and burn themselves out. And that exactly what you were just saying, like if you can put in that little bit of work in the beginning, it's going to pay you back so much in the end. The Workspace for Children, however, started when my youngest was one and I wanted to, you know, take her to like a mommy and me class. But I realized that every class I took her to was highly structured. There was a lot of you get what you get and you don't get upset type of language. And I really couldn't find a program for her that felt aligned with our values. And so I made one. And so I, in my basement, (laughs) I set up this parenting and play studio where parents and caregivers would come and we would do open-ended art and I would model the appropriate language and just kind of show people that if you honor that your child inherently knows how to play and you don't tell them what to do, they actually will figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so that's how the workspace for children was born. That's even that's like how I started my blog and my Instagram. Wow, those lucky mamas and caregivers that got to hang out in your basement. It was so much fun. I made some of my best friends there. Oh, I love it. For all of you listening, I mean it really just takes the pressure off in Albie's room. The relief I feel when I just get to sit back and let him take the lead. And have there be no structure or no plans. And I just sit back and watch, you know, or partake if he wants me to. But I'm not on my phone or anything like that. And even just 15 minutes is so honestly relaxing and fulfilling. And also the relief that I feel, especially as I'm getting into this four-year-old age where I'm getting just so many texts and emails as we're opening up from the pandemic of like, 
well, does he want to do soccer? Well, does he want to do karate? Well, does he want to do this? Is it that? And I'm like, you know, honestly, we'll do one thing a week, but it's big and he's exhausted that he's even in nursery school. Yeah. These are the years we get to be home and he has a 10 month old baby sister that we're all getting to know. And I'm just trying to take the pressure off myself of like, I don't need to spend my days in LA traffic, like driving a four-year-old to like a shitload of places. That's right. But most people think that being a good parent means signing them up for like every enrichment and every last thing. But what's happening is, and there are so many studies even now, if you speak to like college professors and high school teachers where kids come in and if you're not telling them what to do and what instrument to hold and where to press, they are have this like blank look on their face. They don't know how to take the first step. Since they were four years old, people were saying on Monday, we do soccer and karate. And on Tuesday, we have voice. And on, you know, and it's like, when are they ever home? And then they're sitting in the back of the car and they're whining and they're bored. And, and you're like crazy burnt out. So you toss them a tablet or your phone because you need a second as you should need right. a second to think. So you can back all that up to those early years. So tell me what exactly for those listen, what is independent play? Why is it important? So independent play is when your child is playing by themselves, directing their own play. They decided what to play and how to play it. Independent play is when your child is their most authentic self. Independent play doesn't mean sitting and playing quietly with blocks or dolls. I think there's a big thing there that people see on Instagram or in the nursery school classroom that like their child's not playing independently if they're not quietly you know, building a black building or drawing a pretty picture. Independent play can also mean like bouncing a ball in the backyard against the garage and getting in a rhythm with yourself. Independent play is just flow with yourself. Not only is independent play so important for your child, for them to learn who they are, what their interests are, what their interests are, not what what you think their interests are supposed to be. It's also so important for the family system. When you can set up the habit of independent play, then that means caregiver parent gets time back for themselves to take care of their own needs. And then that's when it becomes the difference of being half in all the time or all in for a short time. All in for a short time is a billion times more valuable than half in all the time. That's right. How do we teach kids independent play? You can start small, right? (laughs) You can start so small and you can start anywhere you are. You can have a kid who watches TV all day, every day, and still start where you are. Anyone can do this anywhere. And the trick really here is, is learning about who your kid is. Literally, when you're in the car with them and they're staring out the window and they get excited about something, that's a clue. The kid who loves trucks and every time they see a truck drive by, they clap and get so excited. That's a clue. Literally watch your child for a few minutes. Even if you're not with them, sit down and think about your kid, like set a timer for five minutes and just think about who your kid really is, the good, the bad, all of it. What lights them up? When you can hone in on one or two of those things, you can set up the most simple environment. And I'm not talking about a fancy playroom. I'm talking about any little blanket on the floor in any part of your home with just some things that reflect their interests. That's when you're going to start to see natural independent play. And it's so simple that I think people miss that step. And they start to think independent play means you buy all the wooden toys and you set up these fancy crafts. Right, right. Oh, God. And then their kids don't play with it. And then you're annoyed. And then they're like confused. Like, what did they do? And then they just want to watch TV because TV is so much easier on everyone, you know, and then that cycle continues. So if you can just really find the little things that light your kids up and it could even be like just in that week, it doesn't have to be some grand thing that you're like, my kid loves, you know, whatever it is. I mean, literally, what did they talk nonstop about this week? It could be Paw Patrol. And, And that just means grab a handful of those Paw Patrol toys, put them down on a blanket put a few magnetic tiles next to it. That's when you're going to spark independent play. How we started was like the tip. I would lie. Like I would just be like, as soon as I would set him up with something, I would just be like, oh, I I have to go to the bathroom. And I would just go to the bathroom, you know, 
for five minutes and 10 minutes, then 15 minutes. I mean, the great news about kids is they kind of have no concept of time. (laughs) You know, like it is what you say it is. There's something actually really amazing that you do there that's making independent play happen. And that is that you're setting a limit. So for you, you're comfortable setting a limit saying I'm going to the bathroom because you feel comfortable saying I have to go to the bathroom. And like, if they're like, no, you know, you could be like, but I'm going to the bathroom because like humans go to the bathroom. When people can set a limit that they can stand by, then your kid can stand by it. And when you can add those limits to play and quiet time, it's such a game changer. What would you say if you weren't going to use the potty? So I teach a whole course on how to teach your child and your whole family to get in this rhythm of independent play. Even with really little kids, like kids that are two and are dropping the nap, I would say like, you know, something that older children do is called quiet time. And it's a time when you get to play with your things without anyone interrupting you. You don't have to share with your sister. You don't have to listen to my ideas. Quiet time means like, this is for you. And then you're also going to say like, this is also my quiet time. You know, you really like build that up as like a grown up important thing because it is. It is. And then when you can pair that with setting limits around that, right? And in the course, we talk about like, why do you even want quiet time? Like, why not just be like, fine, like during quiet time, you can watch screens because no judgment for some people, that's what they do. And that works. And that's totally fine. If you are someone though, who wants your child to play independently during quiet time, I help people look all the way into the future. What kind of personality traits do you want to help your child develop when they are in middle school or in high school? Because those are things they're going to learn during independent play. And so when you can remember like the reasons why you really want your child to have these play skills, in my course, I have a whole workbook where we like work through that so that you can get super clear on why you're doing this. The truth of the matter is you can have any system, any bribe, any anything, your child's going to push back on you. Supposed to. And we're so tired that like, we want to just be like, oh, forget it. Fine. Don't do it. But if you have that like clear list of like, nope, I'm setting this limit. Like, you know, same thing. A lot of parents feel guilty saying, you know, go play. I'm doing my thing. You do yours. And I totally get that. But when you look at it out through this other lens of that, you're like doing them such an amazing service by setting these limits and boundaries around this time where they get to figure out their true authentic self. Oh, this is such a relief. And guys, like, yeah, let's change the perspective. When they used to say, go outside and play, I don't want to see you till dinner. I mean, we're doing it in a little bit of a different way, but it's the same thing as that you're doing a good thing. You are not expected as a parent to play with your child all day long and survive. What a nightmare. And if you do that, it's a disaster. I don't play with my kids. I never have. I don't. I'm a play expert and I don't play with my kids. Guys, you heard it here first. I have goosebumps like sponges, sponges and a bucket of water. Have fun. Like, you know, like it's. Oh, yeah. There's ranges, you know, of what things cost and all of that. But you set your kid up and then you go away. (laughs) Well, I mean, and that's part of like having successful independent play is like using that environment to set the limits for you or to spark ideas for you so that you're not part of that. And they come to it on their own terms. We as adults, we'll see like a project on Pinterest, say with soapy water and a bucket, but like, we'll start getting all fancy and adding food coloring and slime and like this. And like, A, who has time for that? Because I don't. B, then your kid comes to it and they're like, eh. And then you're annoyed. And then you're forcing them to do it. And then you're not doing it again. The other great thing about independent play is that now we're a little bit in a rhythm where he kind of does it at the same times every day. And now it's become Mm -hmm. almost like a self-regulation. For both of you. For both of us. Even, for example, us, you know, my schedule is a little bit different today because we're doing this call, like I said, early. So it kind of interrupted. He likes to do a good 20, 30 minutes of independent play before he goes to school. Like he wakes up, has breakfast, plays around with me and his sister, and then... He likes to really have some alone time mm-hmm. with his with with his things before he goes to school. I almost feel like it's his body knowing that he's about yeah. to go to school and interact and it's yes. like really intense. And then he does it when he gets home from school and he's just starting to drop his nap, which is crazy. I know people are like, he still naps. I'm like, yes, he does. You're so lucky. Oh, my God. But now we're doing this quiet time where for the first time over this weekend, I said, OK, if you don't want to sleep, 
You're in your room, your door is shut. Use that rhythm of nap time. Did you do quiet time? Oh yeah, we still do quiet time. And like a a teenager and a middle schooler. I literally nap every Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to too. It is non-negotiable. Like quiet time happens and I nap and my husband like watches football or whatever. And and that is like hard line. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. You said you don't play with your kids, but I love this, that you advised on the Balanced Parent podcast that a parent should play with their children in a way that is appealing to them. Yeah. It's cool to be the caregiver where this is the type of play I like. Right. I mean, that serves so many purposes, too. For me, I happen to be very artsy. I love art. I love to just like, you know, rub a marker around on the paper. And to me, like that is when I'm the most present and like listening to my kids the most. Mm. So a lot of times, you know, if you follow on Instagram, you'll see after school, I usually set up like a snack and really simple art on the table. That's how I can say to my kids, like, hey, I was thinking about you and you were gone. I'm here to connect if you want to. Also, this took me five minutes. So like, if you don't, or you're like, hey, I'm going to hang with my buddies or whatever, that's great too. I literally don't care. And I'll probably leave it there for the whole week anyway. But ah, love it. It's just a way for me to connect with them. Whereas like for my husband, he loves building with blocks. So he'll hang out on the playroom floor with Sloan and like listen to her ideas and help her create a structure. For him, that's really satisfying. Neither of us sit there and play unicorn because like, you're not, that's into not it. no. And it's like, not, I don't know. I just, I don't think that teaches my kids how to like be a good friend or a good human. You know, they could do that. That's amazing for them to do that with themselves or to find a friend who loves to do that. For me to inauthentically sit there, scroll my phone with one hand and like half make a Barbie move. That's not actually connecting with my kid and it's not going to solve any issues. Yeah, I found out this weekend, like I, I've been doing a lot of weekends solo because my husband started this pretzel business and so he's gone a lot. Cool. 
So I'm just like, I'm the same. I fucking hate playing. (laughs) But Albie and I have really taken to Vera goes down at nine and then he and I have time together before hopefully by 11 ish when she wakes up. I like to at least have some sort of play date where Mm -hmm. we go to a friend's house outside or they come over to our house outside. In that time, he and I have started just baking together because I'm like, this is killing two birds with one stone where he's playing with the measuring cups and the water and he loves to be in the sink and cleaning all the dishes and stuff. But also it makes me feel good because I love being a host or going to someone's house and bringing something Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's a nice thing to do. And you're passing on like your values in a way that feels good to him. Oh, I did something. I'm shocked. But you did something that felt like good to you. Yes. Great to me. I felt great about it. You go back and break this down, right? It's like developmentally appropriate for him because he's splashing and pouring and filling, right? And he's four years old and that's what kids love to do. He's also doing like an assigned task that is he's capable of doing. Like it probably wouldn't be fun for him if you were like, hey, sound out these words in the cookbook, you know, that he would be like, no, like, right. and then you would get annoyed and then he would get and it, like the fun would be over, but you're doing something that feels good to you that passes on family values and is developmentally appropriate for him. Tell us what a closed ended toy is versus an okay. open ended toy. So a closed ended toy would be a toy that does one thing. Like there's one outcome to it and the toy does most of the playing for them. So like they press the button, the toy makes the thing spin around and the noise goes off. A closed-ended toy would be like something that can only be one thing. So if it's like the Paw Patrol pup tower, like that can really kind of only be the Paw Patrol pup tower. That's not going to suddenly be a volcano or a, you know, it's just not. Right. And then an open-ended toy would be something that your child can use a million different ways. They have to put their own self, their own interest, their own stage of development. They have to work to make it become something. And they kind of have to learn how to do that. There's a lot of people who spend a lot of money on expensive wooden open-ended toys because Instagram told them to, or Pinterest told them to, and their kids are like, I don't know what to do with this. Or the parents can look at it and be like, what what are they supposed to do with this? That takes work. That takes development. But that's a way of thinking. I had a real moment. Um, actually, in all honesty, following you on Instagram, where I felt, oh, I mean, this all happens to all moms, but I felt like, like I really made a massive mistake. During the pandemic, I was pregnant and my pediatrician was very, we weren't sending Albie to school or playdates or everything because we were like really scared about COVID Mm -hmm. and the fact that I was pregnant and things. And it happened to run into also Hanukkah, Christmas and his birthday. The amount of crap close-ended toys that showed up in my house was astronomical and really overwhelming for me. I don't like having a lot of things as a person too. Like I just get really overwhelmed easily. I don't like a ton of toys. So that was hard for me. Also, I sort of was so tired with the newborn. I was like, I don't care. Like his closet is bursting at the seams with plastic Paw Patrol things. My daughter is now 10 months old and I just did like while he was at school, I've done massive clean outs and I have to say, I feel so much better. Like (laughs) it's not that I got rid of them all. I have them. And I also had to really, really struggle with him about what are the things you're giving away to people? What are the things you're handing down to your baby sister to make him feel better? I'm like, because we're making room, you know, your birthday is coming up and you're going to get to choose a few new things that you will play with. But I felt like a bad mom because of all the close-ended toys I had. I don't think there's anything wrong with having some commercial closed-ended toys. I really don't. When Sloan, my youngest, was little, she was obsessed with Paw Patrol. And I had two older kids. And so I literally bought the knockoff Paw Patrol like minifigures and yeah. I would put them. I kept one in a pouch in my car, one in the diaper bag. And whenever I had to like take Nate to soccer or take Ruby to softball or whatever, and Sloan was like, I would pull out those little Paw Patrols. But instead of having those with the pup tower and with the truck that makes all the noises, I would give her those little Paw Patrols, something she loves and thinks about and that lights her up with maybe like a few blocks 
and, you know, something that she can build because mm-hmm. now suddenly the pups can't, aren't just going back and forth in the pup tower, like they did in the show, you know, they're going in this block building that she made. And then suddenly she had an idea and it turns into a unicorn fairyland or whatever that she wouldn't have had that opportunity with just the pup tower. Right. Okay, so we're not against closed-ended toys. It's not reality. And also, because I was thinking, I was like, my God, like, if I were to get rid of closed-ended toys entirely, it really links back to television, to be honest. Yeah. In my household. It's like, he's seeing that shit. He's seeing it. And that's what his friends are playing. There's nothing wrong with it. I feel like the only time it becomes an issue is like when you have, you know, say like the Daniel Tiger figures plus the clubhouse plus the other thing and the other thing and the other thing, then they're only going to play that over and over. And never taking the lead in their own play. They're not using their own imagination. And they're also going to get sick of it real fast fast. because you can only do one thing with it. Whereas when you take an open-ended toy, like those wooden rainbows that are like so trendy, right? Those are awesome because they make a great baby gift. They look great on the shelf, right? But then like you have a little sitting up baby who can bang them together because that's where they are in their development. And as they get a little older, they're going to use them again and they're going to start to like stack them into each other. And th- and now Nate, who's 14, can do these like crazy balancing tricks with them with like these giant wooden marbles that like, I'm like, you're 14. I can't believe you're still like attracted to this thing. But it's like, you know, he has an idea and he's like, oh, we could make this. So you talked on the Simple Families podcast, like we're saying that it's okay to buy closed-ended toys. You yourself have bought them from time to time, but you wouldn't have them in playrooms. So how do you transition your child back to enjoying playing with uh, mostly open-ended toys? Let's say that a people, someone listening, like I was, is right up the closed-ended toys shit show. <laughs> how do we get them out? Okay. So the first thing is like, don't feel like you have to attack your whole playroom and start throwing everything out. It's so overwhelming and you're just not going to do it. Take something that's sort of open-ended, like, you know, like those Melissa and Doug creative blocks that like someone gave you at some birthday party. Cause like everyone gives that as like a first birthday gift, right? Dig that out of like the hole in the back of your playroom and, you know, put it on your coffee table in your living room, like set it up in a few little stacks and Honestly, get whatever they like. Are they into dinosaurs? Are they into whatever show they're into and you have the closed-ended toys? Take that out too and grab a few of them and just like sprinkle them around that block building and leave it there. Don't be like, look, look, are you going to use this? Put it in an unexpected place. Put it on your bathroom floor. Then you can take a shower. This is great. I'm already like my brain is spinning because he just left for preschool and I'm like, okay, what could I just like? Yeah, I have that Melissa and Doug shit in the back. Yeah. Like, I should just put that out on our living room floor. Sloane was so needy. She never used to let me take a shower. I took everything out of my bathroom cabinet thing, like everything. And instead, inside there, I literally put like Toys. a few little blocks, yeah. a few little magnetic tiles. And whenever she whined at me and I wanted to take a shower, I would just open the cabinet in my bathroom. And like I took shower, blow out my hair, like do all the things. Because it wasn't like me being like, go to the playroom. Go make some, you know, it was just like, right. I was like, all right, well, I'm showering. You can hang out and cry and whine and do the things. Or like, if you open that, you can also play. So we're coming up with the fourth birthday. And because I just, I'm feeling way better about his toy consumption right now. Um, I just feel better that it's a really healthy for me mix of open-ended toys and closed-ended toys. And I'm just really aware and like watching how he plays and, for me, it's a big value that he is taking the closed-ended toys and and coming up with stuff on his own. So what I did was I actually sent a text to and those listening, whatever, if you wanted. I'm just, if this is helpful to anyone, it was super helpful to me. I have a group of people that all of our children were born in the same few weeks. And so the birthday gifts become insane. Yeah. And I texted all of them and I said, please make a donation or nothing at all. Thank you so much. But we're at capacity and I'm not interested. And then his grandparents who really want to buy him a gift and his aunt and uncles who really want to buy him a gift. I actually, maybe this is too controlling. I made a list on a shared note and mm-hmm. I said, please, I just want to let you know, we just did a big clean out of his toys and I'm really carefully curating this year what he's getting for his birthday that rolls into Hanukkah, that rolls into Christmas. 
And this is the list, completely affordable and inexpensive. And I feel really proud of myself. And you can reframe your thinking. Are you being controlling or are you setting a boundary? You know? Like he's really just gotten into costume play. Like real, I've noticed in another kid's house and he, we don't have any of that stuff. I know costumes can be really close-ended, you know, a, a scarf versus a outfit. But like, he loves the astronaut thing. He pretends to be an astronaut. I was like, great. Right. That's from grandma. Like, great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And also, like, if you know that he loves astronaut things, have someone or you could do this for his birthday, like literally get a big shoebox, cut up some tin foil, like, oh, cut yeah. up some, like, you know, like some little boxes or give him some like wooden play people with tin foil and let him like turn that into something. That's great. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Talk to me about TV watching. (laughs) Totally. So I love TV, like myself, personally. Like, I love TV. Um, And my kids (laughs) like TV. And I don't think it's the enemy. I'm just really clear with boundaries. So now... That they are 14, 8, how old are, and 11, 11. How old are they? Yeah, yeah. The big kids are allowed to have like their, you know, screen time or whatever at night on the weekends. And Sloan gets hers in the morning on the weekends. And she is like, why do they get it at night? And I'm like, they get it at night because when they're done, they're not asking me to tuck them in. You are. When you feel comfortable being old enough, like having yours at night and then going to bed, then that's fine. But otherwise, she also wakes up really early. So, you know, we make screen time work for us. It's just the difference is like, it's not a fallback. So my kids know when screen time is allowed, what they're allowed to like watch and not watch, which is also changing now that Nate's in high school. Like I'm learning a lot about like how to let go of that. Right. Um, But our boundaries, again, are just like really clear around it. Tablets, 
are kept up high in the cabinet in our kitchen. They always have been. They're mine and Dave's. They're not the kids. Like I heard Sloan the other day be like, where's my iPad? And I was like, oh, well, you don't have an iPad. Actually. <laughs> it's mine. And I let you use it. Remember? You right. know, she rolls her eyes. But I think it's a pretty clear distinction. Like it's mine. It's my rules. And that's sort of how we've always gone. And I've always done it for me. You mentioned in an Instagram post to use the always sometimes method when it comes yes. to your kids watching TV. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Totally. And it's so funny now because my big kids like fully roll their eyes at this. Um, but I tell my kids, you know, for Sloan, you always get to watch TV on Saturday and Sunday mornings. You can count on that. Sometimes mm-hmm. on Thursday, I'm freaking tired and I'm, and I don't, you know, you get to watch a show like, you know, sometimes, but that's up to me, but the weekends you will always get it. It's not conditional. I don't take it away from her, you know, for whatever reason, or like, I really try not to. Then sometimes they get extra, you know, you always get to watch on the weekends. Sometimes we go on a really long car ride and you get to, and I mean, even just recently we were with the kids in the car, we were going on a short trip from Massachusetts to Maine. And on short trips, we don't tend to like use devices in the car. We just don't, no judgment for people who do, whatever. It was a really quick drive. And so the kids didn't even expect to have devices, but then Dave and I decided we wanted to listen to a true crime podcast and we didn't want to listen to it. So we were like, guys, it's a sometimes. Oh, that's so (laughs) funny. I love that. Psych. They were like, yeah, this is such a win. I think what also made me feel good and changed my perspective, because my son is like, um, I recently just changed to him only being allowed to watch on weekends. And that's like our set rule. And my gosh, it's it's been so much better. I don't know why, but it does. It changes. like It's been so much better because to be honest. Sometimes the TV watching isn't worth it for me because the shut off and the boundary, yeah. if he's he is so upsetting to him that it's like, well, this was a fucking nightmare. And so the fact that on the weekdays, that's just not an option. And on Saturdays, he's allowed to watch TV um, yeah. in the later afternoon. And same with Sundays, like that's it. Same. We've also set the boundary that Monday through Friday, he has to get dressed for school and Saturday and Sunday, he can wear pajamas all day. I don't care. That's my thing. But that's the thing. You're a parent. You're allowed to have your thing. Like, Like, that's my thing. Yeah. If, okay, in the always sometimes context, like, you're always going to get TV on the weekend, and sometimes you might get it on a Thursday or something if mommy needs it. What happens if there's some acting out behavior? Um, Do you ever take away the always weekend TV? Is that ever on the table? I try really hard not to. I'm not going to sit here and say I've never lost my temper and done it because, hi, I have. Um, but no, I they're not related. I really try to use like consequences that are related. So I want them to trust that always that's, you know, it's unconditional. Um, and also, I mean, I just feel like if they say they did something like kick down the block tower and I took away TV, like that doesn't really add up. It's for not them, related, right? right. Right. I might say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take away these blocks for now and I'm going to put out only maybe 10 of them instead of 40. And as you learn how to like work more safely with blocks and I can help you with that, we can add them back in. So, you know, something like that. Okay. What if, oh, I was going to say the thing that changed my perspective so much about TV is the reason I was like, why is my son so obsessed with television? Is something wrong with him? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. I still I literally was sitting in my therapist's office last Friday being like why do I default is something wrong with her when like I teach other people how to not default to is something wrong with her like it's horrible but what made me feel better about it is a tv for our toddlers is a break for their brain and that's what I learned from you Doing independent play, going to school, all these things, using their brain this way, it's hard. It's exhausting. It's hard work for them. As hard work as us adults are doing to work and do our jobs and multitask a million things is as hard as it is for Albie's brain to learn all day and negotiate all day and socialize and play with toys. Like, that's their work. So when he gets to also veg out in front of the television, it's like 
vegging out. It's like the same shit we want, right? right? I love vegging out, so. totally. <laughs> but the thing about independent play that's so cool is that the more they work in the beginning and like practice, then it becomes like this major like decompression. And for parents, it's so cool because like, you know, you want to be like to your kid after school, like, who'd you play with? What'd you do? Who got in trouble? Yeah, like totally, you know, all totally, the things, which totally. you obviously can't do. And they're not going to tell you and whatever. Mm. But if you set up like a dollhouse and some little people and stuff, you better believe they're going to go in there and act out every single wow, thing. experience. And it's going to be from their perspective, right? It's not mm. going to be like what really happened, mm. but like, I can just spy on the playroom and be like, oh, you know, all those things. Cause that is when they're really processing their day out loud. How do you handle, I don't, I mean, bad behavior. My son's really, really um, physical. And so we run into a lot of hitting, punching, tickling her sister in the eyeball. I try really hard to say, I'm only saying this once, especially if something's crossing the line with safety. And I really say that for myself because I'm so mushy, gushy, lovey, that it's really hard for me to stick to something. So I say that to myself to stick to something. And then I, I'll take away whatever is currently being used as a weapon. <laughs> I would too. I mean, safety first, right? Yes. But like, also like go back to like why you're doing it. Like when you want to get mushy, gushy, or like you feel bad, then be like, actually, no, why do I feel bad? Like he's poking his sister in the eye with this block. Like, it's okay for me to say like, stop, I won't let you hurt her the same way. I'm going to always keep you safe and I'm not going to let anyone hurt you. I'm not going to let anyone hurt her. So I'm going to take that. It's not up to you. I mean, that's a big one that I say, like, I know you wish like you could be in charge of that, but I am the grown up in charge. And so then what do you do if he says, no, I'm the grown up? That's what my son says. I would say, you really wish you could be in charge. I know it feels so good. Like you can be in charge of when you go to the potty, you can be in charge of if you have this or this for breakfast. But when it comes to keeping you and your sister safe, I am actually in charge. Hell yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Right. And you prove that all day, every day. You prove that in like the soft moments, in the good moments and in the hard moments. It's the same thing as like when they're having like a tantrum and like completely falling apart and you're still saying like, I'm here for you. Like, yes, I'm not going to let you kick down, you know, this thing that could hurt someone. Right. But I am here for you. That's the same thing. Like, that's also you showing them, showing him that like you're in charge. Talk to me about your dining room being the playroom. Why did you decide this? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So a million and a half years ago, when we moved to Maplewood, we had like an actual formal dining room because we thought that's like what grownups do. And in the basement, we put all the toys. But then I realized that like no one goes in the basement, let alone my kids, let right. alone unless I go with them. And like that wasn't helpful. I had a two-year-old and a newborn. I wasn't going in the basement. And you want to drink wine upstairs with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So little by little, I started to like first, like the, you know, the train table came up and my husband came home and he was like, uh, what's going on over here? And I was like, I could do whatever I want. Like if I'm in the same room as Nate, but the train table is here, I can like wash the bottles or like talk on the phone. Right. Right. He just like wants to be in my vision. Long story short, kids want to be where we are, right? And so we got rid of the dining room stuff because we're not formal people. We do not host formal things. Like we have little kids. So if anyone comes over for dinner with their kids, we're in the kitchen anyway. Mm -hmm. So we asked to the dining room and our playroom was born and our playroom is right off of our kitchen. And so like my kids can sort of see me if they need to see me. I can see them. I can, you know, we can sort of talk, but I can do my thing and they can do theirs. Oh, this sounds incredible. And it's been years now that you've had this. I mean, it's been so many years. And like I said, like my oldest is 14. My middle is in middle school. And we got home from the beach this summer and I plopped down in the playroom and I was like, I feel like we might need to like turn the playroom into something else, right? Like you guys are getting kind of old, like, you know, and all three of them were like, no, really? So I was like, all right, cool. Wow. Okay. Is that where they do their homework or is homework in bedrooms? Um, It's right off of, it's right off our kitchen. My oldest does his homework in his room. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure my middle really does her homework. (laughs) It's in the kitchen. Okay. Tell me about like your kids all get along. It seems like it. 
How the fuck did I mean, you do I that? Do, I don't show them fighting on Instagram because that would be horrible yeah. for you. Oh, yeah. Them. And them. Um, yes. Yeah. But I'm t- I really think it is from like having really clear and firm boundaries. I'm just getting into this now where my daughter just started crawling. So here we go. Like she's going to take his shit. He's already pushing her. You know, totally. I'm helping him learn a lot about, oh, if you know, let's pick the things that's that sister is not going to play with today. Let's pick the things that you would be OK with her sharing. If you're she's coming close to something that you don't want her to touch, you have to tell me. Right. OK, so one Another great way to use quiet time is like you can have quiet time in your room and you can bring, you know, whatever toys you don't want your sister to have and like use them in your room for this whole time. You do not have to share them because honestly, sharing is really hard and it's really hard when it's your sibling and it's really hard when it's all the time and they need their life and their things and their space protected. Um, But I, so I feel like one, that was like, it was really protecting their things. I don't make them share all the time. I learned this as a, classroom nursery school teacher that like it's okay to say like I'm still using this yeah, I'm not course. finished like I think we think our kids are like bad if they are not like I want that here you know no you teach them how to advocate for themselves so that they can do it themselves mm, that's really so, like, important my kids do fight um for sure but they also love each other really hard I think it also was because I didn't sign them up for a million things when they were small. They are and were each other's playmates. So, you know, after school or after nursery school or whatever it was in quiet time, like they played together. Also, I don't want to spend all that money. Like I really like, I'm so stupid. Like he's just, I'm spending $200, whatever soccer. And and he doesn't even really like it or like know what the fuck it is to be honest. Right. He's like, right. Why does he have to do it? I mean, I, I right. just, I'm I like, mean, oh. even with that, like I did that stuff with Nate. He was my first, I signed him up for the two-year-old soccer and the three-year-old soccer and four-year-old soccer. And like every weekend, it was so annoying. And I remember in kindergarten looking at him and being like, um, if you really like soccer and you want to practice it and get good at it, like I'm all in, but if you're not that into it, like, could we not? He's <laughs> like, this is not fun for anyone. And he was so relieved. I mean, he was like, I hate it. I'm so not into it. Oh, how great. How great. Quickly, boredom. Yeah. Is it the best? Like, boredom is not a bad thing. You are not failing as a parent when your child is like, I'm bored. No, no. In fact, you're like giving them the gift that it is. Listen, when your kid comes to you and tells you that they're bored, it is ingrained in you to be like, (gasps) oh my God, I should have signed them up for all the things. Right. Or like, I bought the wrong toys. Or like, oh my God, I'm the worst parent. I'm sitting here scrolling my phone and my kid is bored. Boredom is the entry point to how anything is created. And I know that sounds so cliche, but it's true. And let me tell you, like my eight-year-old still, literally, still says, I'm bored. The other day, my husband and I were laughing so because I looked and I go, have you met me? Like, just like really? And she was like, whatever. And she like went off and like did her thing. It's about as a parent tolerating that uncomfortableness for them. And like knowing for you, like, what is it triggering you when they say you're bored, Mm. figure that out, move past it and let them be bored. Because I mean, my kids don't come to me on the weekend and be like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I'm like, it's Saturday. And I was going to like, do this thing on my email. I wanted to like sit in the backyard for a little while. Like, what are you doing? It's not my job to entertain you. No. Oh, this is so helpful. Okay. As we wrap up, any last tips on helping moms encourage and set up independent play? Make it so simple and easy on yourself. The easier it is for you, the more you're going to do it. And then that's how they're going to develop the skills. If you start doing these like complicated play prompts and your kid loves them. That's what they're going to require. Oh, right. So like, keep it super simple. I have a little, I have a downloadable, it's called the play plan. And it shows you like five materials, how to use them 25 different ways. Because the idea is like less is more and the less you do, the more they'll do. And that's what you want, but you really want to make it, if you hate mess, do not set up messy projects because then you're not going to want to do that all the time. Yeah. Like I love cleaning. So uh, like the fact that my son will stand at the sink and clean dishes and like loves loading the dishwasher. I'm like, right. this like, is the fucking amazing. best. Like right? I have no issues with that. Or he loves like 
watering plants and that's a thing on my list like i've had to help him like figure out how to not overwater. but like literally i'm just using my son to check off my list but the but the ah! thing is, that's so good for him. I taught Nate how to make coffee in the Keurig when he was. Oh five. yeah, Albie does that too. <laughs> that's his every day. He makes my coffee. It's the best. But it gives them such a good sense of purpose, yes. and instead of them feeling like they're in a, in the way or needing to be entertained or any of those things, giving them real actual jobs that help the family unit. Yeah. Give them a sense of purpose, and that in itself is it changes everything about them. It changes their behavior. It changes how they see themselves. It changes their ability to take risks later in life because they feel good at something. Guys, it can be easier than what we're doing. Is there any other things you want to mention, talk about anything? The biggest thing I want to hit on is saying that like, when you take care of yourself, you can take care of your kids so much better. And if I could change anything for moms, especially post, well, is it post pandemic moms now in life um, is that like, it's okay for your kid to be upset or sad or whatever it is while you're taking care of yourself, you're modeling for them that you have your own needs and you're also going to become like a better human being, which in turn a better parent, but like, I just feel like the more you can do your own thing, it is so good for your kids. Like just really quickly, like what went on with, with your son this morning, like as that happened, all I could think was, wow, she just showed him that like, A, she can set a limit and stick to it. B, that she has her own stuff that doesn't revolve around him. Like kids later in life, like when they think their parents' life revolves around them, that's not good. (laughs) Like but you also showed him that like you were okay with him being upset oh, yeah. and you were also okay with him like going off to like, he's going to, you have so much faith in him, right? That like he can be upset. He can not like your choices, but they still are what they are. And he's still him and he's still okay. Lizzie, you've made me feel great today. <laughs> and I have learned endless amounts from you on Instagram. Like, endless amounts of ideas and you make it so easy and accessible for all of us to just like go on your Amazon thing and go on your and like your all of your different packets and things that we can sign up for I really like you're truly one of my favorite um thank you follows and I really appreciate you coming on Katie's crib thanks for having me oh fun yeah Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. I learned a ton and I feel like way better about being a mom today. So that's a huge win. How can I help you feel better about where you're at in your parenting life? You can always find me at Katie's Crib at Shondaland.com. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules Today, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.